The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Now here's David Tuttle and Astro's master of banter, Blummer. Yeah, it's unbelievable, dude. That's so the I worst part of my game. You and I got to play together again because I well, can iron it. About. Like, I mean, <laughs> God, my irons are terrible. My swing is so yeah. inconsistent, but I can just go ahead and wrap my driver, you know, 300 nice. yards. And then I'm staring at like a 160-yard shot. And I mean, I can pummel my irons, but I just have no direction. They're just a yard right. sale. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful draw one time, and then it's just like this mm-hmm. power fade which is also yeah. a slice, but, um, right. you know, but, but it's like, dude, it's, it's contact, but I'm like, God, I have to chip every single time. I can't just stick yeah. it on the green. It pisses me off. Yeah. And you make a good point. I mean, I think this is what, this is how you adjust in baseball too. But if you knew you had a fade every time, you know, a 20 yard fade, then you just play 20 yards out to the left and you go. But one time you draw that one and now you're 40 yards to the left and you're chipping or you power fade at 30 or 40 yards. Yeah, you play and for like, the draw, it fades. It fades. It pay for, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, all right, if I only knew, right? If I only knew what I'm the hell I was Ken doing. over here just congilesing myself the entire time. Ken Gilesing. I remember that. <laughs> that guy left some lumps. Out. At oh, least he man. would punch himself and not a wall. And, you know, we talked Ooh, off. You just Phil Maton I, them right there. Way to go. Very good. Well, hey, I'll I, I'll throw Phil Maton under the bus. You and I talked um, this week. I got to see Mr. Blum this week out here in Southern California, which was awesome. But um, we talked this week about, um, we don't have to name names, about guys that you like to play with, guys that are tough and guys that are kind of like, oh, I'm a little, I'm not feeling 100%, so I'm going to get on the shelf. But at least Ken Giles was enough to punish himself, but he wouldn't take himself <laughs> out of the game, and he was out there. Somebody like, you know, Phil Maton, I'm going to I'm gonna call him out. If you listen, Phil, I mean, you hey, can call Khalil a guy Green like did that. It too. Yeah, and I know those guys are competitive, and I know they, you know, some guys see red and they can't see anything else, but really it's a pretty selfish maneuver because – if you throw a ball 90 miles an hour and you're going to, you know, wail on a cinder block wall, you pretty much guaranteeing <laughs> yourself, you guarantee this, that you're going to be oh, out for a while. So anyway. I've got, I've got a couple of really, really good stories regarding this and the, I'll pref. Okay. So I'll tease the first one. Welcome into the bleachers. It's David Welcome Tuttle, in. Mark Ramos, Jeff Blum. <laughs> it is the bleachers. We are recording. <laughs> we're getting after it. Uh, we'll get back to golf, but we're talking about snapping. Let's go ahead and stay on the snap session. So I will tease the the most important story, which is Khalil Green in 2006 
punched a wall after a strikeout, broke his hand. I got to play shortstop. I got a particular gift at the end of that season from the owner of the Padres that I still, I actually, hold on a sec. I got, my wife's calling me. She's stuck in Arkansas. Hold on. Keep recording. Okay. Yeah. Hey, we're in. This is going to be important. We have a, we have a special guest on the podcast. Hey, okay. So they're bringing a new plane in. What do you think I should do? Get on the bird. At 10, at 10, at 10.30 it flies out. Get at the bird. Okay. So we're recording our podcast. You're stuck in Arkansas. Mechanical failures. They're going to bring in a new plane that's going to take off at, by 10. Are you on the <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cuss. We're on, Corey. On speaker. Welcome. Oh, Welcome to the podcast, Hi. Corey. Hi. I am in stuck in Bentonville. Yay! <laughs> Yay. There's worse There's worse places to be stuck. <laughs> I swear I hate Chicago. I love Chicago, but I hate it at the same time. Flying in and out of there. Mm. Yeah. I can't hear anybody. I know. They're in my ear. They're saying, hello, Corey. They, they think you're Hi, wonderful. Guys. They feel terrible for your... <laughs> For your inconveniences, <laughs> but you, they're going to fly in a, a new plane from where? I don't know. Okay. But she's in the middle of getting me a hotel, and she's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Can I call a friend? Yeah. get Well, here we are. Your lifeline <laughs> is on. Yeah, lifeline. Uh, fe- fellas, what's a consensus, Mark? What, what hotel or do? hotel or plane? It's a new plane. plane. And I'm just going to tell you right now, this oh. agent that I've been here since I've been here since two o'clock. Y'all. You've got you've gotten oh. two planes from Tuttle and Marco, and I'm in the plane category too. But have the hotel for a backup. Yep. Book the hotel and cancel after. What? In well, case they the cancel hotel. it. Well, yes, yes, that will be in the cards for sure. But it's it's she's on the phone right now. Okay. Well, I can always get. A, that just means I'm sitting here for four hours. Okay. At the airport, and she's she is probably sick of me. Get the drink tickets. Hey, how many uh, oh drink? How many drinks in are you? Tickets? How many drink tickets do I get? <laughs> she's giving me thirty bucks to go. <laughs> At the airport, that's like one drink. drink you get the shot on say, the side. You're gonna, you're gonna drink. Yeah, you get a drink with the like the cor- little mini Corona bottle stuck in the top of your margarita. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that what is that? That comes out to like six dollars an hour. Was she supposed to see you at nine o'clock and now she'll see you at 1030, right? So come on, fly. No, it takes off at 1030. She was supposed to see oh. me at nine tonight, but she is now going yeah. to see me at midnight. Oh, I see. Well, you'll wait up on, for her. Babe, get on the plane. You'll be happier. He's there? Tom Hanks is there? No, I feel like I'm not like Tom Hanks in that movie where I'm stuck at the airport. No. Is it Tom Hanks or is it the, who is it the, uh, what movie is that? Oh, Marco, what's that movie? Marco's our movie. He's our culture guy. I think, I think it's called Terminal or something like that. It's called Terminal. Terminal. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Ramos. And I'm going to be eating ketchup packets soon. Oh, that's a good diet. And you, and you smell. It's, oh, yeah. I do smell, y'all. I smell so bad. Okay, I'm just gonna say right now, I don't wear deodorant. Tuttle can understand that. Tuttle can, can understand you? this. He gets me. He gets me. Oh, this okay. is a Tuttle thing. Yeah. This is a, yeah. He just thumbs up. He thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. See, I don't wear deodorant because it's bad for you. You need to like yeah. cleanse all the crap out of your body. But unfortunately, I just moved Mia out of her dorm in the rain, and we are sweating profusely. It's really humid up here right now. And I got here and I was like, I definitely need to like 
washed my pits and I changed my shirt and maybe put some perfume on, but it didn't happen. So I smell like I did a CrossFit class and came nice. straight to the airport. <laughs> so at I'm least the person right sitting now, next so to you on the plane will keep their distance. Yeah, but that'll, that'll keep people who sit next to you at a distance. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, man. They're like, rain jacket on because I'm trying to keep the smell inside. Oh, don't no, trap don't that. Because when you, that you unzip that, both Thank the guys are like, no. I'm coming straight for you. I'm coming straight for you. Oh, dear God. <laughs> All right, I'm take the hotel, on the take a shower, see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, hotel, shower, yeah, we, we've changed our votes. <laughs> I'll, I'll let United know my voucher is for the Yes. There you go. Sure it is. Okay, y'all have fun. I'm going to be here at the airport. Um, Yeah, I'll call you. I'm going to dance down the... It's a very small airport. There's not a lot of people here, so I feel like I kind of have it to myself. Own it. Own it. Yep. Okay. All right, babe. All right. I love you. Love you. I'll call you soon. Bye. Nice. Dude, dear God. True love right there. Traveling these days sucks. Oh, it sucks. I'm glad to see that the we always joke about the general public. Like we're not the only ones that go through it. This is everybody. What do we talk time. about on the bleachers? We talk about snapping that turns into a conversation <laughs> with my wife. And I was literally before you got on this podcast, Tuttle, I was talking to Mark Ramos because he got hosed out of a vacation. It, that was the Dominican, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're why yeah. does traveling suck so bad? We pay exorbitant amounts of money. And travel sucks. You get delayed. You get pushed back. You got to stay at hotels. You're in crap airports. Okay. Where was I at? Sorry. So we were snapping Khalil Green, and you got a. You actually got a present from the owner of the San Diego. Yeah, I actually might. And you're looking for it. Where'd it go? Oh, he's got a Rolex somewhere in there. Something. Oh, Oh. Tuttle. I'm just guessing. Tuttle's. But you're looking around for it. So something you carry with you all the time. This is like playing charades. Something that Blum would carry with him all the time. Uh. (laughs) But Mike Piazza was the best snapper I've ever been around. This dude had perfected punching a concrete wall barehanded in the dugout. And I've seen him take full-on hacks. He would come in and just wham against the concrete wall. And he would never break his hand. And I, I asked him, I'm like, bro, I go, what are you doing? I'm like, you are like Hall of Fame catcher guy, and you're over here punching a wall after striking out against like, you know, Bronson Arroyo. And I go, aren't you scared you're going to break your hand or anything like that? How are you doing that? I'm like, I go, said, let me see your hand. He doesn't, you know, just normal hand, no like weird knuckles or anything out of place. He could flush his hand, his fist flat across and hit the wall squarely, beautifully, to where it would disperse the energy and he could punch it as hard as he could. I, it was some like Japanese karate move mm. that he was able to do that. So good for him. Khalil Green could not do that. Oh, Piazza. I'm sorry. I didn't know you played yeah, Mike Piazza. Piazza. So how about this though? I know, but I didn't even think about that. He's a Dodger in my heart. No, I'm kidding. I don't care. Um, but, but I think he probably sometimes you look at these actors like the drama. Like I wonder if he pulled the punch. You know that's what I'm saying. He knew to no, stand the, uh, two WWE. feet away, and yeah, like he knew how to stand three feet away from a two. You know, a wall that's like three inches and one in or three feet one inch away, and just did the little. Yeah, uh, that's not a bad and, idea. <laughs> Your teammates will idea. know I'm you a, care, and you don't later. break a bone. <laughs> yeah, you're like man, that guy's you man. He's intense. So. 
2006, I am uh, I signed back with the San Diego Padres. I'm the utility guy. I'm playing some third base, second base, a little bit of shortstop. And Khalil Green punches out, and he goes in and punches punches the wall and breaks his hand. And the San Diego Padres are desperate for a shortstop, so they call on the Neanderthal known as Blummer. And I finish the season playing shortstop. We win the West. We were the West American, I mean, National League West champs. We go to the playoffs. We get our ass kicked by the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. And at the end of the year, the owner, John Moores at the time, hands me a gorgeous, man, I, w- I, don't, know, I don't know where it is. I should know where it is because I was wearing it. It's on this trip somewhere. Maybe the maid got it. I don't know. Oh. But uh, <laughs> he hands me this Rolex and he's like, you know, just wanted to say, great job. Thanks for the hard work. You filled in. You got us, the, you know, the National League West. Proud. And he hands me in this, you know, that gorgeous green Rolex case. And I'm like, damn, I, I, I've never bought myself a Rolex. This is the only Rolex I own. So I open it up and it's this beautiful, like just uh, silver. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's the aquamarine or the technomarine, whatever it is. It's the marine. It's it's a beautiful, just white face, silver band, clean, clean. And I'm wearing this thing for like a good week, week and a half. And I go to set it down on my desk or whatever it is, or my nightstand, and it kind of like rolls onto its face. And I look at the bottom of the watch, <laughs> and it's got my damn name and number on it. It is oh, badass. Oh, dude, it was it was one of the best things. on it. That's the cool. It did. I was like, oh, this is cool. Thanks, man. I'm just wearing it. And all of a sudden, it rolls over. And I'm like, holy crap, it's got my name and number on it? Dude, yeah, that's one of my more uh, prized possessions that I've, I've gotten. I mean, rings are cool, but the watch was yeah. pretty cool, too. Khalil Green should have sent you something, too. Khalil Green should yeah, have know, sent right? you a Rolex for your other hand. Like, hey, thanks for filling in and not making me look like a loser. And Double barrel. The, that's right double barrel rolex and the other point there is you said fossil dinosaur like blum got called in i believe 2006 is the year after 2005 when world series hero right like come on marco's gonna edit this out yeah he is but i'm just saying you're a (laughs) hero yeah he gone but you go to san diego as a world series hero so you you definitely had a you know a high street point cred. My street there, cred man. went up. Yeah, yeah, your street cred was high. It wasn't like, hey, here's this like fill-in dude. They were like, we're putting World Series hero at shortstop, and he better win us the West. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Are you? Have you? Have we talked about snaps on here? Like, I've had. I'll go back in the dugout and snap. I was never a guy that would snap in the dugout. I've done like the uh, slam the helmet and have it kind of kick back and hit me in the chin, but I've never like done damage. I haven't done anything like that. Marco, when you play golf, uh, are you striping every shot? And if you if you do, you're good. If you don't, what do you do? Do you snap the club, chuck the club? What do we got? I don't make enough to snap clubs, so I'm not snapping any clubs. I know. I'm not a club snapper either. What Do you throw it? Do you either. chuck it down the fairway? I might throw a ball in the water or something. Kick a tire I'm not, on the cart. I'm a, weird, I'm a weird snapper. I think we have talked about it on the podcast before, but it's not um, – you know, I mean, gosh, what are we, 300 episodes in and not enough people have listened from episode one. So I don't think it's a repeat of a story. But the uh, 
The snapper thing is interesting. I've thrown a club before. I played with a guy who used to throw clubs. They would get stuck in the tree, yeah. and then you spend like 10 minutes. He's <laughs> seven irons up in the tree. Dude, I've got video of that. Down, Julia's husband like, did that, and I had to video it because he's throwing the flag stick at it to get it out of yeah. the tree, dude. Right. Well, because he doesn't want to throw another. Club throwers are scary, man. Yeah, and don't throw another club up there because you get too stuck. <laughs> you only yeah, got a certain gone. amount of clubs in your bag. You're like, he gone. Yeah, I'm yeah. a... I'm a a snapper in a weird way because I feel like, you know, when you snap, you really snap. Like I just have always tried to keep my emotions in control and part of that's but I think I told you this before. I we I lost a game. I told you I got a CG, right? And I gave up a home run. This guy had two home runs and two strikeouts oh, yeah. at the old Bull Durham Stadium. Actually, the bull was in right center. And uh <laughs> I went and sat in front of my locker and I wasn't like kicking stuff. It was like, you know, I threw I lost a complete game two to one and I, you know, I had like eight punch outs and no walks. It was like you can't really Sitting that's there, like turn the color snapping. of my shirt. If you go yeah, if you go in there and destroy the locker room and you know, it's like, all right, why don't you guys score me some runs? No, it doesn't do any good, right? You just do your job. But I took my hat in Winston Salem, North Carolina, and I took my hat and I went like it had a little tear at the back, you know, and I just tore it right down the seam. Oh. So got a brand nice. new hat about midway through the year with no salt tracks or anything on it. it was like Oh, outside. dude, salt was, tracks were the key, man. Yeah. yeah. That's what I love when guys actually you can tell as the year goes, you have a good luck hat. It's like now you're in the playoffs and they they have to put those logos on now, like World Series logo oh, I know. and LCS. So you're like, I want my same hat. So they have to stitch it on the hat. They'll give you a new one. You're right. They, the guys have the they old do. flat, like crooked hat. You're like, I yeah, don't want to bent to hell and hat. like stinky. Yeah. Yeah, but you put that brand new logo on the side. That's right. That's right. And the clubhouse guys, man, they earn their dough for that very reason because it's like, hey, Blummer cannot go play shortstop in the playoffs without the hat that carried him here, and we are not changing. Damn him. right. Sorry. Let's go. Damn Skippy. So I wasn't. Oh man, hey, that was good. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Uh, what's been the world of sports is kind of crazy right now. Um, we got done in Anaheim. The Astros took two out of three from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim at the base of the San Gabriel Mountain Range, which was good. Uh, pitching, you know, pitching outside of Hunter Brown, Christian Javier, and Framber Valdez is sketchy. What do you got? No, I just wanted to say when we sat at lunch and just, you know, to let everybody on a conversation, mm -hmm. I was saying that, you know, here they are. They won the first game in Seattle and they're on a roll. They're up 5 1 in the eighth inning. And this is just how streaky baseball is. I'm like, you know, then you hear that Luis Garcia needs Tommy John and so-and-so is hurt. And like, Terrible. you're not sure if Brantley and uh, Chaz are coming back. I'm like, the Astros are in trouble. And we finished lunch that day that uh, Astros proceed to go get That's whacked. A legit, so yeah. they lost it. Right. They lost again. And then the next night they come back and win and then win again. And I'm like, oh, all right. They're back in it. They're not as in much trouble. Like baseball is so funny because we talk about what the narrative is. But after we talked, I thought they really are in trouble. And then they win two in a row. And you're like, okay. They look like they know what they're doing. But yeah. to your point, Valdez threw a complete game or eight innings of unbelievable pitching. Did you have a chance to watch any of that game? Uh, I did. I actually watched some of that. Yeah. I mean, dude, was that not one of the more clean games you've seen in a very long time? I mean, you had the pitch clock and you had him pitching the way he did. I mean, that was the most beautiful two hour and 15 minute game I have ever seen in my life, dude. I, I think he had 12 punch outs and ground balls galore. It was amazing. 99 pitches, yeah. 75 strikes. Yeah, 12 punch outs, no walks. I mean, it was unbelievable. That That's an art. That was like, brilliant. People don't get enough. 
we all love the hitting thing, and you'll hear when a guy throws a perfect game or a no hitter. Mm-hmm. But if you are a fan of the game, just watch watch that game, which, like you said, was massive. I completely I didn't agree. get to watch the whole thing, but I mean, two hours fifty. That's Maddox. If Maddox did that, they'd be like, "This is why he's a Hall of Famer," you know. And Valdez throws that game, and they're like, "Nobody knows about it." He'll win like American League Pitcher of the Week or something like that, some innocuous award, like you know. And then you'll be like, "All right, he won Pitcher of the Week." But if he keeps doing what he did last year and this year. I mean, he knows he's what on he's that doing. quality start streak again. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. So, would you, you're, I'm a hitter, and I appreciate the hell out of that game that he threw. And even the next day with Christian Javier pitched a great game too. I have found myself, and I don't know if it's because I broadcast or the cleanliness of the game and how easy it is to speak to it. Um, because when a when those pitchers get in a rhythm, even for the opposing team, you know, you start to get in that rhythm. You can almost anticipate the pitches. You can see them setting up pitches. You know which ones they're wasting and what they're going to, and the, the, you know if they fall in love with the pitch because the shape is so good. That's kind of where Fromber got. But I'm a hitter. I love it when guys hit bombs, tanks nukes, whatever you want to call them. But I would rather, I'm trying to think, I would rather see a Fromber Valdez game or a Javier game like we just saw those last two games, pitching-wise, as opposed to a guy that went out and I'm trying to think what the guy would have to do. He'd have to hit for the cycle or he'd have to hit two or three home runs. I mean, it would have to be something exponential for me to enjoy it as much on the hitting side. Do you not? I mean, I know you agree. You're a pitcher. You love that stuff. I completely agree. But I know what you're saying. It's like, it's almost like the hitter's not getting as much credit as well, meaning the hitter doesn't get credit if he has like two home runs and seven RBIs. They're not giving him as much credit either, uh, essentially. But that game, like you said, was masterful. And I I do think, um, I don't know. I mean, I do think that that's. It should be appreciated more, and maybe because it's nine innings of solid work or whatever. But like you said, if a guy hits two home runs with seven RBIs, he doesn't get the respect, um, or doesn't it doesn't float your boat the way uh, the way that uh, Valdez's performance. Yeah, it's cool, did. and that but was it's awesome. not like it holy really crap, cool. he was in command. Yeah. yeah. How about how about this? I have a question for you as a hitter. So you're on the other mm-hmm. side of that, and they used to give Burley, Mark Burley, and uh, Greg Maddox, whom you played with, both those guys. They used to give them all the credit in the world for like, hey, you know what you're getting? Go out there, and as a hitter, if you went two for four that day, it was great. But it's like, hey, he's not throwing me anything in my wheelhouse. I'm gonna have to try and drive the ball over the second baseman's head or whatever. Mm-hmm. But as a hitter. Didn't you, I mean, obviously the Randy Johnsons of the world, Nolan Ryan, where they're a little loose, you didn't like facing those guys anyway, but didn't you like a, like knowing what you're going to get when you walk up to the yeah. plate? Like if, if you're on the same page as they are, like, okay, they probably get me out most of the time, but man, if I can think along with them or if I can get ahead in the count, I'm not up there fearful. I'm up there like, Hey, I'm going to just try and get my hits. And if you went one for four or two for four, like the game was two hours, 15 minutes, you knew what you were getting. They threw you all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. And and you got out yeah. of there as a hitter. You almost want that too. You weren't like, oh, you know, here comes whatever. <laughs> here comes this guy. We don't know where the ball is going to be. And you know, I'm, you know, I don't know. Tell me. But doesn't that kind of it kind of speaks to the competition of it too? You know, you you, you enjoy when you're facing those guys that are they're, that work fast. They're in the zone. Um, and so those guys are just, you know, naturally, uh, effectively wild, so to speak, or you got to muscle up on every swing because they're coming at you with a hundred miles an hour. Um, yeah, those were, those were games. If you went over four, you were like, 
damn, what just happened? You kind of looked around. You weren't like devastated because you got blown up on a on a slider or you got, you know, off a change up off the end of the bat that you felt like you should have crushed. It was always like, man, I I was sitting on the pitch. I got it. I just couldn't get a hit because I hit it right at somebody. And then all of a sudden, you know, two hours later, you're sitting in the dugout going, we lost? What? <laughs> you know, it's kind of wild Wait. like that. But But I never faced anybody that... I faced Randy Johnson. He struck out 14 and we beat him one day. I mean, that's that's the bizarrity of of what can happen, but that's where I think the 12 punch out no walk thing is was so impressive in 8 innings. Yeah, no, that's I mean it's really I mean it's great and I do think that performance got the uh, Astros kind of back on track, which is the whole point right? of this conversation, that's a good, good right? Point. At, at lunch we were like, "Huh, you know, that just the way they blew up at the end of that game. Now, another question maybe about clubhouse or demeanor, since a lot of Astros fans listen to the podcast, because Presley came in uh, to get a save the day that Valdez threw his game, eight innings, Presley comes in. The next day, it's five to two, and I know it's Shohei Otani, but, um, you know, giving up a two-run homer, I mean, look, I, I pitched late in games before, I realized, but I mean, it's is Presley on his game, and that was just one of those things where you tip your cap to Shohei, or did that was that a little nerve wracking, or like where? No, you know where what? Do you think they are? It was it was nerve wracking. I think they're in a good place because they do know that they have three pitchers in their rotation: Javier, Framber Valdez, Hunter Brown. Those guys are going to go out and compete. And I think, you know, if you go into a game and know you're going to compete, you're like, okay, let's go. And then you you know, it's those guys like JP France or Brandon Belak that you're like. What what guy are we going to get? Because we could get the really good, or we could get the really bad, depending on who goes out there. But uh, you having pitched late in games, and Presley kind of mentioned this. You know, the night before he goes out and absolutely just wrecks Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and uh, I think it was uh, Anthony Rendon or Brand or yeah. Hunter Renfro, whatever. He goes through like three legit dudes in that lineup in a pretty effective fashion. The last out was a line drive and a great play by Jeremy Pena. But the next day, if you're facing that same team on a back-to-back uh, games, like he threw a couple of breaking balls that previous night, got the swing and miss from Shohei Otani. The next day, he throws that same curveball down out of the zone and he hits it out for a home run. Yeah. You know, definitely. and it's kind of like, am I, you know, Dude, maybe maybe I didn't. Maybe he was he was better at thinking through the at bat than I thought he was because I thought I'd be able to get him on that same pitch. That's what's yeah. got to be hard as a closer. It it is hard, and that's why the uh, starters the same thing. Where starters have that hey third time through the lineup, maybe because like you said, n- night True. game followed by a day game facing the exact same guys. There's probably some bleed over. Like Shohei's going, all right. Well, I know what he's I know what he's thinking, and and obviously he he got him that time. And Shohei's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. I will say this is a little side note. ESPN had you know Shohei Otani hits a you know two run opposite field home run for his eighth home run of the year and i watched the highlight twice i'm like that was not opposite field was it it was <laughs> didn't he hit it out to right like I, I don't think the headline people knew didn't he hit it to right center all these yeah. fr- all these gen xers man they don't know anything yeah. gen z where they, they, they are but didn't he, wasn't it to oh. right center i didn't even like yeah it was to right center yes yeah, that's what i thought yeah he it's went down oppo. and got the break of us not oppo but they and kept saying it. yeah and by the way this goes to Idiots. the media yeah, idiots. The media side of it again <laughs> is uh, the two highlights on the two consecutive days that the Astros won were Shohei's home run 
Uh, and as, I think that he he pitched the day before, so he got whatever. He had eight strikeouts, and they said this strikeout, and then the next day was his home run, and the Astros won both yeah. games, and that was the only local highlights where Otani does this and Otani does that. It's like, come on, people, get on yeah, the well, bandwagon. Well, that's why you that's why you come to the bleachers and hang out with us because we're not going to give you that biased, you know, MLB Matt, Rob Manfred fed programming and narrative, dude. Yes, that's right. Why Tuttle just snapped. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's the other crazy, you said that's a crazy sports world right now. What's so going on with the, your, your, well, the NBA stuff. I mean, Anthony, who's an Anthony Davis for the Lakers gets carted off the court and all I'm watching is, uh, ex uh nbaers laughing at him i felt how do you yeah. i mean isn't that kind of that i love charles barkley and shaquille o'neal i mean play <laughs> they were great players great commentators but part of me was like damn if i laughed yeah. at a guy who was getting carted off the field like we had uh oh, dude i think it was last year uh jake Odorizzi like went to go field a ground ball and went down in just a pile of bones and oh, i was yeah. like he's dead yeah. he's dead yeah. He got carted off. He had to go through the concourse of Fenway Park on a on a on a on a Great you know the the cart for going to the end of the ambulance. And I'm going, oh my god, he's dead. And he was like in a walking boot the next day. And I was like, what the freak? Are you kidding me? But I mean, is it was the injury that bad? I haven't seen the injury. I was just saw them laughing. I was like, damn, that's kind of harsh. I th- I think that's why they were laughing. So the game was at the point where. This is what they kept saying all night, right? The Lakers have to win. Now the pressure's on the Lakers, right? Which is weird because I actually mm-hmm. thought the Warriors should have won game Because they want to finish the series, right? Right. Well, but I thought the Warriors were the favorites all along to win in seven. And then the Warriors should have yeah. won game four, which would have made it 2-2. And they gave that game away. So mm-hmm. they were saying last night as the Warriors got up 15, 16, 17 points, how late in the game do you play LeBron and AD because they're older and they're getting worn down. And so I think when he got popped in the face, there was about seven minutes left. They're down 14. It was kind of like, uh, oh, it's it's a good time for him to leave the game because why keep him in, wear him out and whatever. So he kind of went off. And I think it was more of that concussion type thing. I mean, he got hit pretty good in the face, but I don't know if that's why they were laughing. The more funny story of coming out of the NBA, the more funny, that sounds funny, the funnier story. It's more funny. Um, yeah, the owner, uh, uh, the Denver Nuggets guy, uh, the Joker, Jokic, and then the Flopper. owner of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and we again we met this week in between that, and then the next day at warmups they had like a they had a little tug of war joke, and then they high fived and they were done. And I kept thinking, but they still fined Jokic twenty five grand, and I think twenty five grand. F- 
Is it because he actually used touch the fan, like air quotes fan? Like if he had done that to a fan, the fan would have got kicked out. I think what I don't I don't get it. It's bizarre world. It is bizarre world, but at the same time, Jokic, uh, Jokic had the the interview afterwards, and he said, "Aren't aren't isn't the NBA's job to protect us?" Because I feel like the NBA courts, they just keep shrinking and shrinking and more fans get on those courts. And I mean, this day and age where it's all shock value, there's going to be some interaction. But I mean, yeah, why 25 grand? Is it because of who he bumped? What like if it was if it was you or I, they wouldn't get probably get fined. We'd get kicked out and blackballed. Right. So the word on the street is it is because who he uh, bumped, which is that guy paid $4 billion, $4 billion for the Suns. That's where he's sitting. And, you know, but he did say the right things. The owner said, look, I shouldn't be, you know, like this shouldn't be about me. It should be about the players or whatever. I still would be interesting to look at the letter from the commissioner to see what they find him for, especially the next day. When they're on Sports Center, like making fun of it in warmups, like, hey, give me the ball. No, you give me, like, huh, that's really funny. <laughs> so I would be like, hey, give me my 25 grand back if he's not that upset. So I, I don't know. It just seems like a little, it's just, I don't know. It's a little, I don't know. They're, they're taking us for fools, right? Like we're idiots. Like, I don't know. Oh, dude. The, yeah. The way, well, you just said it a couple of minutes ago, controlling the narrative. I mean, it's all what they're willing to let out. Yeah. You know, and if they're going to, and we know this in Houston, 2017, they're going to control that narrative and say the Astros did it, nobody else did. And all of a sudden, oh, by the way, the Yankees did it and the Red Sox did it. But never mind. We, it was the Astros. Astros did right. it. So uh, you're That's exactly it. right. They handled it the way they, the NBA, wanted to handle it. I was just going to say, could you no. imagine if they mic'd up everybody on a court? <laughs> they wouldn't be able to hide awesome. any of that stuff. No, they wouldn't. Well, I love when you're watching a broadcast and it goes dead, like muted, silence, because the mic's under the basket and a couple guys are getting into it. They're like, it just goes silent for 30 seconds. Yeah. They're just hollering (laughs) at each other. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, they don't swear in baseball dugouts, so that's kind of cool. So they never swear. (laughs) So so just the NBA and the NFL, like, come on. I mean, it is funny. Again, (laughs) And actually, it actually makes her a funny topic to say controlling the narrative because if people think it's like, oh, yeah, look, he's signing autographs and he's this or that. And you're like, go down to a dugout for two innings and just, you know, earmuffs Yeah, when the, the guy comes time. back to the dugout and he's like, son of a bitch, I had to sign autographs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just struck out. Now I got to get on this like Fox News yeah. thing. Like, you know, Carl Schwarber, what did you think? You just struck out last at bat. How are you doing? He's like, well... We're in the hunt of it here in game five. You know, you're like, oh, great. Like, how yeah, many F-bombs are you going to drop us? <laughs> yeah. Damn, hitting it's coach gave me the wrong advice. Yeah. No, just hey, so we've said this before, and I think this is a good topic, but uh, playoffs, man. Playoffs. Uh, hockey, so much better the in the playoffs. Um, I was listening to Ryan Rosillo's podcast today, and he had Tim Legler on. And Tim Legler's getting mm. a lot of credit during SportsCenter now because SVP has him on. And he does the breakdown. It's incredible. He's like, watch here. They're running this offense and they get a brush screen. Like, I know nothing about basketball. And they're isolating over here and they do a brush screen and you're like, whatever. And everyone's like, oh, that's really technical. But man, he he was saying that the ratings for the NBA, like he can't do that during the season because guys are taking nights off, right? So they're not playing as hard. It's almost oh, like- the load management's just, a big topic, yeah. man. So load management gets you there. And he's like, but for the two months of the playoffs, he said it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And he gets all this feedback for like wanting to be more technical. 
Um, I kind of have two questions. One is, would you agree with that? Which I think it's cool, but also in baseball, Mm -hmm. I think they could do that because, you know, you've talked about launch angle and you said that the people like the, you know, the numbers that you throw out there, but man, even more technical when we really talk about base stealing, you and I had some technical conversations this week, um, obviously off air, but it was really fun to talk about. Um, I was talking to a guy last night who was a coach about, you know, just pick off moves and subtleties and slide steps and things that you just do to kind of, you know, that maybe the regular fan isn't paying attention to. But I think that's what makes it exciting. And what do you think about having like a more technical broadcast or, or you know, sports yeah. getting into playoffs here? I, I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating too. And, and, you know, deep down, I think if we do enjoy the sport or like you said, we don't know enough about the sport, we're going to watch a little bit more intently and you're going to listen to those guys. And fortunately, you've got somebody like Tim Legler who can actually explain it very in very detailed, you know, you, you don't want to dumb it down. You want to explain it the way it is. And I think that's where the fan will appreciate that more. Um, I agree that there should be more technical stuff because if you are a fan of the game and you want to know more, you're going to want to hear that jargon because you show up the next day at the water cooler and you start throwing some of those terms out. Psh, guess who's a badass? Yeah. That guy. Yeah. For that listening guy. to it, you know? So it yeah. feels good. But that's part of the reason that I go down and I talk to some of the, I talk to uh, the hitting coaches. I will talk to uh, Joe Espada, the you know, on fielding. I will talk to Josh Miller. That's why I say shape and way the ball is coming out of the hand and stuff like that, because I don't know enough about pitching. So that's why I've got to talk to them and try and understand some of the terminology so I can eventually explain it better. And then when I'm watching the game, as an example, the other day, I noticed that Alex Bregman, and I'll watch, I watch batting practice for the swings guys are taking because you can tell what a guy is struggling with on how they take batting practice. And I started to watch Alex Bregman in batting practice. I'm going, his hands are in a different spot. So I watched it over and over and over again. And finally it gets done. He steps in the box for his first at bat. And sure enough, his hands changed. And I went through the process of trying to explain that and trying to break down that swing as quick as I could during a game. It's a little bit tougher now with the pitch clock, but that's kind of to your point. We don't have enough time in a game to do that. So it's kind of nice that they do do that post game. And maybe that should be, why, why can't you take a post game uh, like Brian Bogusevic and, you know, Michael Bourne for us and give them a two, three minute segment where you look at a swing or you look at a base stealer. Why is his right foot open a little bit? Did he take the appropriate route to go catch that fly ball? I think that'd be fascinating. I think that's good stuff. Yeah, and I do think there's going to be a space for it because I mean we're getting we're getting washed out with all the morning like buzzword shows, right? I I think I heard oh um, opinions and topics, um, yeah, man. Yeah, opinions and topics, but they're saying you know I, I mentioned this last time they're talking about Dak Prescott again, right? Is he the quarterback for the Cowboys? Is like we're in the middle of baseball season, the NBA playoffs, and they're talking about Dak Prescott or Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. because that's what the fans you know supposedly demand. But if you start taking it to the next level, and that kind of goes back to my point about the playoffs. The NBA, I I don't really watch during the season. It's not because of load management, but it's just not as exciting. But it's when you get into the playoffs. Completely agree. Hockey's the same. We've talked about that extensively here. Baseball, high leverage innings, all that stuff means more. So if you're a fan to understand it, it's I think that makes that's why I know I like playoff baseball so much more is because I I can see the things that not everybody sees because we played it for so long. And now with Tim Legler, yep. at least during the playoffs, you start to see these things that you wouldn't notice before, like, you know, what kind of offense they're running or anything. So I, I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was insightful. And I do think as we look where sports media is going, I mean, you're in sports media. Um, there could be a place for 
this kind of analytics. I think I mentioned to you um, uh, DeRosa, and I don't know who the other guy is on MLB Network, but Mark DeRosa was getting uh, – I think it's Robert Flores. Yeah, Flores. And so he took some infielding. Uh, well, Robert Flores I think might be the host, but the two guys, yeah, DeRosa and another – yeah, the bald guy, he does – gosh, who is he? I think he managed or – Cliff Floyd? Like, whatever. No, it's not him. Anyway, doesn't matter. No. There's two guys, and they basically send Slaps Instagram McGee? photos. Yeah, Slaps McGee. That's it. Nailed it. Great. Slaps <laughs> McGee and Mark DeRosa. <laughs> um, I, or I call him Al Others. Remember Al Others? Oh, yeah. What's Al, uh, Al Others ERA? Yeah, he's got, he's got yeah. a good ERA. What, 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 what does Joe Random have? Yeah, yeah, Joe Random. So anyway, but they were sending uh, actual clips of Instagram, and DeRosa was actually breaking down the swing, and it was the first time I've stopped clicking channels. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And these kids that are like perfect game candidates or high school players are sending in their little video, and he's like, oh, look, he's got, you know, his hands probably don't have to be that high. And look, he's giving away his backside. He's got to stay taller on his backside. And they were given, basically, if you got your thing on air, these are actually Damn. tangible things you can be like, all right, next batting. DeRosa said I should stay taller on my backside or whatever. It's like, it's good. it was really cool. Yeah, right? So you really want to get better. Mm -hmm. But I think his key piece of advice, and you and I agree on this based on our last conversation, was you guys know, you have to know the game. So we can talk about hitting and backside and this and that. But when you start watching youth baseball and guys don't know second and third, one out that you should tag up or that you can't run into your other runner, like yeah. that's that was the thing that they both came away from. The emphasis was on, you know, yes, you want to be big and strong and, you know, you know, lift and separate and do all these great things and have a <laughs> cannon for an arm. But what what really you need to do, and this is why I think I always tell kids still, catch the ball with two hands, you know, get in front of the ball when you can. Don't side, you know, when you take a million ground balls and you gobble them up at a 99.9% .9 rate, then you can backhand one or you can take a read, but don't start doing that mm -hmm. when you're 11 years old. So anyway, we're off on a tangent, no. but I mean, you have some thoughts about that when you're teaching No, but that, youth that's baseball, actually, yeah. But you talking about that, and in order to get to the big leagues, it's that whole Malcolm Gladwell thing. You know, the the outliers, you you do it for 10,000 hours, and you've got it down pretty good. Did you see that ground ball that uh, Wander Franco, the Ugh. shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays, how he caught it, flipped it up to himself, and threw it to first base? Because that's kind of to your point, is that he made a great play on a hot shot, one hopper, had plenty of time because the runner barely got out of the box, and he flipped it up to himself and got the out. Or you just about puked on that one. I, you know, I don't like any of that stuff, but I, I think it's a little it is, too much to right. flip it. Part of it is for him. It's one thing to pimp a home run, like to win a game or something. We've talked about it because I've actually mellowed my, or let's see, softened my stance on that. Mm -hmm. But I just think it's ridiculous because then the first time you drop that or you make a fool out, I mean, there's just no reason to bring that into play, right? I mean, is this Jerry Maguire or whatever? Like, act like you've been there. <laughs> like, act like so you've been there. Let me ask you it's this. If he drops it, who does it affect? That's the problem with some of this bat flipping and all this other stuff is that it's selfish. So if he drops that ball and doesn't make that play, who does it affect? Well, we can actually the bring pitcher. this full circle. Yeah, no, I know. I'm saying we can bring it full All circle. All of a sudden, you got to throw eight more pitches. It's one thing if you make an error, busting your ass and paying attention. You make an error doing yes. something like that, and there you're you go. you're gonna see fists thrown in the dugout at some point. <laughs> I mean, maybe not that time. You know, if God, you get man, out of it, no, it's total. true. But 
Well, they always say that, right? They're like, I wonder what happened. There was something brewing between these guys, right? When they go to Sports Center and these two guys that would are definitely throwing. start it. It's yeah. like that would start it. And so you don't need to know. Like we saw that it didn't happen that time. But later in the year, if we see two guys going at it in the in the Rays dugout, we're gonna know that Wander Franco's probably, you know, if he made a mistake. Hmm. I just we, there's so much humility given to you by the game of baseball, right? We say this all the time. Seven out of ten at bats, and you're you're raking, right? Three, you know, three hundred. Mm-hmm. If you're getting out seven out of ten at bats, your ERA when you're getting your contract, if your ERA is three point eight versus four point one, you're getting paid. Like, I mean, there's a big difference. So I'll leave it. Don't don't be out there messing around, man. Don't mess with my paycheck, especially when it's a, it is fun. But don't don't add any sort of you're showing people up. If you make a mistake, you're going to be, you know, there's, you don't need to create opportunities to be humbled in baseball. That's it. Ooh, quote of the day right, right there, David That's Tuttle. It. But Love wouldn't it. you agree? Yeah. How many no, times 100%. have you been humbled or put in your place? <laughs> like, I'm, Oh, dear God. It happens all the time. Uh, almost daily. Shoot, I just played a round of golf. I got humbled every, almost every other swing. You know, I'm like, whack, I got this. Okay, I'm just going to go do the same thing I did before. Shprunk. You know, I'm like, dude, it just turns into a yard sale. Yeah, no, the game, and the game will expose some of that too. You know that as well as I do. I mean, you play this game long enough, some of those things expose you, and you just want to tone down when it's good. You want to enjoy it. You don't want to over-enjoy it. When it's bad, don't freak out. Keep working back and just kind of keep it as level as you can. No, Not too many peaks, not too many valleys. You know, it's funny, full circle, that's how I live my life, and some days my wife appreciates that, and some days she doesn't. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't yep. get too high on the highs or too low on the lows, and she, I think she wants a little more emotion out of me. But hey, yeah. you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. Hey, man, we are just cliching this bad boy out. Yeah. Hey, Tuttle, that's impress. What, what, what that is impress. What do you got going? What does this week look like for you? You've got a big weekend coming up. Anything fancy? I appreciate getting personal. No, but we are closing in on the end of the school year. So I think my son uh, finishes. Yeah, he's going to finish his last AP test. He's going to graduate. Monday and then graduate June 1st. So it's kind of a big month in general. Mm. And I, oh, what do you, what, what do you got? No, you that's good. No, gra- I've already done the graduation thing. I, I can't wait. We're going to have to talk about that reaction afterwards and see how you handle it. Mm. I have a feeling it's going to be a long summer for my wife more than myself. We'll have to have her call in lost at the airport and see if she, I'll bring that subject yeah. up and see how it goes. I'm in. Yeah. She's, she's already like getting him ready to go and he doesn't leave till the end of September. And I'm like, it, what? It's May. Like, what are we doing? So it's going to be a long summer. You know, <laughs> that's that nervous energy, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, that's good stuff. Yeah. What about you? What do you got? The oldest is, uh, uh, she's actually at this moment driving down from Arkansas to go back to Houston for the summer. And the triplets just got through prom. They got through birthday. They got through surprise party. They're going to be taking their finals in the next week. And then they graduate May 24th where all three of them are going to walk. And, uh, this weekend, this weekend is Mother's Day weekend, so we will not be able to Ooh. talk to you before that. So we thank a lot of military first responders and things like that, but our moms. Moms are great. Oh, we just talked course. about our wives. Our wives are great for raising our kids for us. It's fantastic. So we uh, give a little shout out to the moms out there. We appreciate you. We love you. We know how hard you work, even though you don't get the credit maybe that you deserve. But we love you. We appreciate you. And all the best to all those moms out there before we bail on this podcast. And hopefully we do have some moms listening to this. And if you are a if you are a son or a daughter listening to this, give mom some love. All right? 
That's the advice we're giving on the bleachers. Look at you. You got the card ready to go. A good mom lets you lick the mixer. A great mom turns it off first. I was waiting for that one. That was a good one. <laughs> we have a good sense of humor in the Tuttle household. Oh, like, my tongue. My tongue. Yeah, my tongue. <laughs> there you go. So I do have my Mother's Day card ready to rock and roll. So that's that good. Baby. But I, I agree with you. We do thank a lot of people on this podcast. First, for Saunders, military, everybody that... Uh, Let's us, I guess, let's us uh, enjoy our freedoms, but who lets us enjoy our freedom and, you know, brought us into this world more than our moms. So, yeah, yeah. we definitely appreciate our moms. And it's, uh, I don't know if this is the Mother's Day episode. I mean, I guess it has to be. So they're going to love the snapping and the the in-depth analysis for the basketball and baseball. I was going to say, once you get past all the cussing and snapping, yeah. Yeah, there you go. But thanks, mom. We appreciate you. So that's all I got, yeah. I guess. All right, then why don't you uh, why don't you have your patented saying oh. and and let oh, her rip? Yes, oh, let her rip. That's right. So, hey, again, thank to, thank you to everybody. Obviously, we throw the moms in there, teachers. Uh, they're coming in to enjoy their summer as well. If you're over the age of 45, uh, don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. Get after it and believe it. Believe it. Mark, you look like a statue. Doesn't Mark yeah, look he like, like a froze. Statue. I was like, is he still he there? He's like <laughs>